Oh my goodness, I've got Ava here. She is uh, new to the States and uh, she's got such a beautiful story. She's from Poland. We're going to talk about her life uh, growing up in Poland, living in South Africa, what it's like living here in the United States now and all kinds of good stuff. Stick with us. Everything is fueled from me wanting to be a better person on earth. It's time to do your part. Hey everybody, as always, welcome back. Make sure you're liking us on all social media platforms. Today I am in Palm Desert joined with Eva Marai. Uh, last name is French, but you are not. No. She's got a, a beautiful, amazing story. Um, we're, we're friends through work and uh, I'm just, I've been really excited to have yes. this conversation. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm really excited to be here and mm -hmm. talking to you. It's very, very nice. Good, thank good, you. good. I always ask my guests, and you've listened, um, why the importance of these conversations. Talk about why you wanted to be here and the importance of these conversations. I think we live in a very interesting times right now. I think it's it's a time where changes are happening, and, mm. and I think being socially aware is really important. Um, I think your... Um, you know your work everything you have done so far is really exciting and new and i'm really a huge fan so being here is quite an honor thank oh, you sorry. for that <laughs> and uh, also I'm, I'm really excited that you are you know you feel that there's something i could maybe share yeah i there, i'm certain that you have something to share several things to share um and i don't even know you that well but it's a sense that i get from you oh thank um, you of course um <laughs> Tell, I'd like for you to introduce and tell us a bit about your background, where you're from, your upbringing. Tell us a bit about your backstory. Right. Um, I was born in communist Poland in 1962 so, um, and lived there till, until I was 18 years old. So I did most of my uh, primary schooling there. Mm -hmm. um, I've left, we, we emigrated, uh, my whole family in 1980 during the communist revolution. Mm where countries where obviously the communism was collapsing and we've left. I've lived in Austria for a few years and um, afterwards I've moved to South Africa and lived there for 35 years. Wow. Met my husband, got married. We've been married now for 30 years mm -hmm. and um, just a few years ago we've decided to move permanently to United States. And what prompted this move? From South Africa? Yeah, to the um, States. We felt, um, well, you, as you know, our work is uh, kind of quite exciting. We, yeah. we built off-grid um, houses. In, really cool. We'll get there. Go yeah, in, uh, in a desert. And um, we always wanted to, to work with this and introduce this concept in South Africa. However, I don't think that the country was ready for it. Mm -hmm. And we felt there were many opportunities here. And that was something which brought us here. And you definitely have um, seen those opportunities through. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, we're trying. I mean, we, we're doing good. Mm -hmm. I, I'm very excited. It's been just a few years, but our product is quite exciting and new, and people are really very receptive to what we do. Tell me about the American dream. So if you're coming from South Africa and you wanted to launch this idea in South Africa, but it wasn't the right place, did the American dream come into this idea or was it just more convenient or? No, it was definitely an American dream. You know, we we left South Africa because, um, well, you know, our history is quite rocky, mm -hmm. as you know, in South Africa. And um, at first being really, really excited about what was going on and everybody was on the same page. The country was just remarkable. Mm -hmm. um, and in the last few years, unfortunately, being a single party country, 
things creep in and you've got, um, you know, there, there's less and less opportunities, our economy is failing and we felt, you know, why not America? It's just the most exciting country on the planet and, um, and yes, and it was really a, a good move. It was the right decision. Yeah. So do you still think that America is still this? I mean, what do you, I don't want to get into po politics too much, but. Well, is your Okay, good. No, please. <laughs> yeah. So is your perspective still the same or have you learned some harsh realities? Look, I believe that America is going through a ginormous change right now. Mm -hmm. um, it's exciting for us to observe it. Um, as you know, we, we are not US citizens right now. Uh, we don't have a right to vote. Um, however, you know, the, the, the general decency and integrity or in any kind of a leader is really important. Yeah. Um, so for us, um, observing what, you know, what, what is happening right now, it's an exciting time for United States. Mm -hmm. It's very uncomfortable, mm -hmm. um, but you know, you have to be uncomfortable for something new to be born. Yeah, change is uncomfortable. Right, it's painful. Mm -hmm. um, however, I feel that this country has so many amazing sides to it and opportunities. And I think there are many wonderful um, people, you mm -hmm. know, people, Americans are very welcoming and they're warm and whichever state you go to, there's always, you know, everybody's quite welcoming. Mm -hmm. And, and I think as a society, generally speaking to a foreigner, it's a great place to be. Um, and I do believe, and I really and truly believe that out of this whole mess, which has been going on for quite a few years mm -hmm. now, I think that something really exquisite and, and special will be born. I love it. 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 You know, it's hard to try to line people up to uh, deliver a message of hope, right? Yeah. You're speaking from your heart and it does feel exciting. I think in the beginning with COVID, there was a lot of um, uncertainty and people just felt um, indifferent and weird. Yes. But I like your perspective because this is, there's change happening and it is exciting. Yes. And a little uncomfortable. It's absolutely uncomfortable, yeah. but that's how change happens. You know, I've lived through a breakdown of communist system mm -hmm. and it was very uncomfortable you know leading to it and what was happening in a country we had tanks rolling in the streets our schools were closed this is perfect i want you to paint a picture to us because we're all naive because I've, I've only lived in america tell us what it's like living in poland in the communist you know well it was um depressing mm -hmm. you know everything was gray everything was unexciting we didn't have access to many things. Um, Such as? Well, basic things, which you possibly in United States have taken for granted. Mm -hmm. um, I remember as a child, you know, we would have Christmas. Poland is possibly the only communist country which was allowed to be um, Christian or being religious. Okay. Um, all the other countries were kind of um, squashed. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't go to church or there was no official religion. However, Polish have managed to hang on to it. So we had Christmases. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember as a child uh, going to my father's company and there would be a Christmas party for children. And as a, as a gift, we would be given a bag of oranges and some walnuts because there were no oranges in the stores. So, Wait, what about toys? What about um, clothes? Well, you know, clothes were very simple. I remember I would be given um, 
you know, spring shoes. My mother would buy me a pair of shoes, which would be to carry me through summer. And then in winter, um, if, if your feet have grown, you would, you would wait for winter shoes. You know, we would, we did, there was absolutely no excess of anything. You had to be, um, you had to be very thrifty and you had to be very cautious and careful with what you did with your things because there wasn't much. And this was the norm for everybody. That was the norm for absolutely everybody. It wasn't like we were poverty stricken, my family specifically, not at all. We actually did well. My father uh, was a ship designer he, mm. and, and he worked on, a, on the ships as well as an officer. And um, so my father was allowed to travel. Um, but um, so you're in your experience, you were one of the lucky ones. We were, ex yeah, we were extremely lucky. You know, I, I, I was, I had quite a privileged uh, childhood. We had a motor car, which 99% of my friends did not have. Um, so, yeah, living in in communism is really, really um, different, mm -hmm. and it's very difficult to even when I talk about it, it just sounds so odd. Yeah, but. Um, it's, it the was opposite, true. it's the opposite of freedom. Absolutely. For example, I tell you one thing which, which I think people will relate to. In the United States, when you want to travel, you just don't think about it. You buy your ticket, grab your passport, and off you go. You mm -hmm. can go to Paris tomorrow if you choose. Not right now, of course, because of COVID, but mm -hmm. in the past. In Poland, if you wanted to do a foreign travel, you had to do an application to the government, tell them where you're going, who you're going to be seeing, how long you're going to be there. And they would then allow you to take a passport. They would, you know, discharge it to you. You would go collect your passport, travel wherever you were going. And as soon as you come back into the country, you had to hand over your passport back. So you couldn't just travel. No. Wow. So what if you wanted to take a leisurely vacation? Was that okay? Well, you would have to. You had to follow that process. Well, you had to follow the process. You had to tell them where the money comes from, who you're going to be seeing, all those kinds of things. You could not just up and leave. Again, living in a communistic country. Yeah. Very, very, very different. Yeah, yeah. And again, and that's why I ask you to share these examples because it's one thing for us to be able to just close our eyes and envision gray buildings and just, but that's all we have to work with is what we've seen yes. um, in images. So this is very detailed. Is there anything else you can share with us as far as, and what did it feel like? It was just normal for you? Did you know that in America it was different? Did you know? Oh, absolutely. The, the, we had music. You uh -huh. know, those days there were those big uh, tape recorders and such. And mm -hmm. I remember there was there was a radio. It was called Radio America. You could get it on short waves. Oh, wow. Um, in Poland and most of the communist countries. And there would be news most of the time and then a lot of music. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I remember growing up on your music. I mean, we had music at, at house parties and I would be um, dancing to American hits. I didn't understand what, what, what the words were, mm -hmm. but we enjoyed the beat and we knew it was American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. And so within you or your friends or peers, was it common that everybody needed and wanted to get out of Poland or, or were some people okay with this life? knowing that it was different elsewhere well i know that they were because when um in the 1980s when the borders loosened up and suddenly you could get a passport and you didn't have to go um there were, always when there's a change coming suddenly the government kind of feels that there is, they need to let go of certain things mm -hmm. and just before 1980 that's what happened we suddenly were allowed to travel outside the country and you would ask for the passport and you didn't have to give it back straight away. And so my family at that opportunity just packed up and left. Um, however, there were many other people who just did not. 
you know, some of my relatives remained in Poland. So this is what took you to South Africa. Once, once that was lifted, you guys were out. We were out. We were off to Austria. We drove across in my father's little car and a three-month-old baby, which is Ida, mm -hmm. my niece. And uh, we, wa we rushed off to Vienna and we asked for a refugee status and they were given to people. So I was an official refugee in Austria, Vienna. And uh, we were there for a few years. And um, let, me, let me interrupt you. I'm so sure. sorry. When we see all of the um, controversy with, with refugees now and what's sure. happening in Greece and Italy and all over, you know, a, good, a big part of Europe, do you, you have empathy for these people automatically? Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, it's very difficult time for anybody who leaves their home behind. Mm -hmm. um, and to on top of it, you know, we we were in a very organized system. We were in Austria, Vienna, and it was guided by, um, gosh, it was UNESCO, it was uh, Caritas. There were big organization, and of course, United Nations. Mm -hmm. um, so we were kind of in a really well structured system. Yeah. Again, you got kind of lucky. Right. Yeah. Again. Um, however looking at what's happening now where people leave everything behind, leave their homes and their families and they go not knowing what it's going to be like when mm -hmm. they get there mm -hmm. is, is a very scary and really um, sad experience, I'm sure, for most of them. Yeah. So my heart breaks when I see it. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I think a lot of people have issues trying to process what refugees are going through. Oh. And a lot of people who look at um, the U.S. as, you know, territory um, or other parts of the world. And they, they, it's tough for some people to connect with the empathy for refugees because oh. they don't quite understand it. You right. Know? Um, and you've lived it. Wow. This is why I want to talk to you. <laughs> so let's move over to your experience in South Africa, because you witnessed apartheid. You were, yes. you were part of all of that. Talk Again, when I was, you know, well, after Austria, we have decided, well, it wasn't really our decision. You had to kind of leave Austria as in political refugee. You had to move on to another place. Austria was just kind of like a waiting station. Oh, how long were you able um, to be there? I was there for three and a half years, four years, four wow. years. And so it's kind of like a waiting room where you would sign up and go off to different countries. Mm -hmm. It could be Australia, United States. Um, ah. Well, United States was the most popular one, mm -hmm. and which means that you would have to wait for many, many years. So my mother at that stage, who was a midwife, was offered a job in South Africa to work in her profession. So we accepted um, going to South Africa. And I remember we went for an interview. It was a very... Um, um, you know, the, the, the consulate was extremely opulent. And I remember the consul arriving in a huge Rolls Royce. And I kind of thought, what a strange country it is. You know, again, coming from Poland, I was never really aware. Maybe I was aware. We were definitely taught at school of what was going on. But, you know, as a young kid, I was, in, I was a teenager. I didn't really think about it too much. And you weren't exposed to it. Yeah. And, you know, my mom just wanted us to be safe and mm -hmm. she wanted to arrive home somewhere, no matter where we were. We just wanted to get home. Mm -hmm. And so she picked that that particular country to accept the job. And so we arrived in South Africa and I remember walking through the street and I just realized what happened. We've arrived in absolute nightmare. 
you know, the separation was still very real, although it was in the late 80s. It was possibly two or three years before Mandela was released. Mm -hmm. And the country was going through change. So I'm always lucky to arrive wherever I come, go. It's always changing. <laughs> I think it's you. She's bringing the change. <laughs> yes. So um, the country was changing. And um, I remember there was a lot of, um, you know, um, things going on. There was, there was political um, changes and people were, were talking about, uh, will there be a revolution? What's going to happen? And I remember going through streets and for the first time I have noticed what apartheid is all about. There was a post office and in a post on the post office door there was a banner, whites only, and at the back there was, not at the back, next to it, literally, blacks. And I just kind of realized, Jesus, what did we do? Where are we? This is a nightmare. And I had a full-on nervous breakdown. I was hospitalized for about three weeks. They couldn't. <laughs> I just, I just thought, this is it. What am I going to do? My mommy's working, you know, and uh, we're here as a family. We need to support one another. But this is really a nightmare. Why are we here? You know, it, it's just awful. And this is within the, f the first moment of you being there. Yes, pretty much. I just, I, you know, I've never, I know that United States has this history where you've got the um, racial division. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up in Europe, mm -hmm. you know, we never had any other race to, to be exposed to. To divide with. Right, yeah. yes. And so, um, as a kid, I was, I was shocked. I was, I couldn't understand it. Then I started researching, I started reading and educating myself. Mm -hmm. And I felt it was too late. There was really no going back. We had to be there for a few years because that's what you sign up for. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's when I got really depressed. And um, after that, after I got out, I got out of the hospital, I started listening and getting aware of what's happening. And I knew that there was something changing. Mm -hmm. um, at that stage, there was this President de Klerk, who was the, 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 the guy representing the existing party. And he engaged into conversation with Nelson Mandela. And when that happened, we suddenly, everybody started to feel hopeful. We mm -hmm. knew there was a change. Mm -hmm. And in 1990, when Mandela was released, we all watched it. Mm -hmm. I get emotional when I talk about it because it was a really special moment. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it gave us hope. It was special. It was right. And it was right. Yes. Yeah. And that stuck with you, obviously. Yeah, as you can see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, and then, of course, we had our first elections in 1994, and we were so excited. I was married to Jacques then, mm -hmm. and um, we stood, I remember, in a queue for hours to be able to vote. And we voted, of course, for Mandela, and he was an amazing president. He really was. And um, the country was so full of hope. And... When he left, there was another president who was nominated, which was great too. And unfortunately, ANC being such a strong party, because everybody really uh, was excited about it, and we pretty much bet on the, on one horse. You know, everybody kind of said, "This is how it should be." Mm -hmm. um, we unfortunately, being a one-party state. Is when the trouble starts. There's no checks and balances. Nobody's really questioning anything. Mm -hmm. And that's when things started falling apart. I think they really did when we had the following president, Zuma, elected. And he was not a very good man. Mm -hmm. He was just a man yeah. who 
possibly wasn't supposed to be a president. But as you know, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> People get elected for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and they can do quite a lot of damage. Yeah. And the darkness gets to them. Um, yeah. The parallels yeah. from your story and what happened, uh, the voting process, you know, apartheid, watching Mandela uh, rise, uh, the parallels from yeah. what's happening now are pretty bizarre. Right. Um, but you know, you, when I speak to you, you always seem to circle back to this idea of hope. So do you think that's because you've experienced hope? You've, yes. Being in the, the queue, being in the line, right. seeing your vote work. That's why you're able to attach to the idea of hope so easily. Yes. We, you know, I mean, looking back now, when I think of Poland, for example, and, and the change would happen, I go back to Poland, I travel there. It's a first world country. It's part of European Union. Mm -hmm. um, people live very, you know, uh, good lives, opulent lives. Um, when I look at South Africa, you know, the system works. I don't know if the racial division has been really addressed yet. I think there's a lot of, um, there's still a lot of division. Um, you know, the difference there is that the whites are the minority. There's about 3 million whites and it's approximately 50 to 60 million blacks. Mm -hmm. So the whites are a minority there. But, you know, the anger is still there. Mm -hmm. You know, um, white people have been very privileged for a very, very long time. And the system was really diabolical. Mm -hmm. You know, the lack of education of, of uh, the black part of, of society and disadvantages and all those kinds of things. It takes generations for that to come right. Is it the same system here? Is it a mirrored system when it comes to division and separation and systemic racism? No, I don't. I, I personally observing it, mm -hmm. um, I don't think so. I think um, Amer United States has its, its problems, mm -hmm. no doubt. But I do believe that the opportunities exist for mm -hmm. everyone. Um, I think that um, the problems which are getting highlighted right now can be addressed. Mm -hmm. um, and I really feel that this is very different. I think that this is, um, again, I, I can't speak for what happened in the 50s and 60s in mm -hmm. this country because I know it was, it was a, a really a horrible situation and it was a problem which everybody hoped would be addressed, but it hasn't. Um, but I do believe that at this point in time, I think that the society in general has evolved, mm -hmm. um, you know, with the, with the media and connectivity and the awareness of what's happening. I think that this will be very helpful mm -hmm. in the long run. Good. Society evolving. I think that those are, again, you've got this message of hope and that's what, um, that's what we need. That's what we want. That's what we need to hear. Yes. Right. Is that um, culturally, universally, we are all kind of evolving and learning more about uh, what's important, yes. which is all for me comes from love. Right. Yeah. Why do we have, where does all of this come from? Why do we have this is a tough question to answer, but as far as racism in a whole, what, from what you've witnessed, why? Why, why, is, why do we live like this? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I, I spoke about it to my husband the other day, and we think that people just generally are quite tribal. You know, I've experienced that in Africa. You have different groups of people who, um, who are just very, you know, we, we as a species are quite tribal. Yeah. And I think that this is where it comes from. People who have, um, especially those who are not very educated or, or worldly or well-traveled, they kind of 
uh, really protect the environment and who they are, the culture, so um, fiercely that they cut themselves off, they close themselves off from experiencing other people, mm -hmm. their thoughts, their culture, their they identity. You know. I've had several conversations, as you know, this yes. podcast, I'm, and I, I, I've yet to hear somebody structure the answer quite that way. And that really resonates with me because mm -hmm. me as a black man, it's, it's tough to understand racism, where it comes from, why people feel this way. And I think you just hit the nail on the head. It's tribal. It's associating with like-minded people. It's yeah. there's safety within your being with your own. Your own, absolutely. That's really fascinating. All right, and again, these, this is again why I wanted to talk to you and why it's all about perspective. That is your idea of a big part of why racism happens. Right. It's interesting. However, I do believe that we have evolved, you know, since tribalism, and we traveled the world. We have but access it's genetic. to it's. Yes, in some it's stronger than others. Yeah. You know, we we have a responsibility mm -hmm. to to finding out about others. I think knowing who your neighbors are and knowing who your friends are and being exposed to different culture is just a necessity nowadays. I love that. We're going to talk about that right now. Do you have siblings? Yes, I have a sister. So does is is her perspective similar to yours because you guys have gone through a similar experience? I would say. I'm not sure. I can't speak for her, but uh -huh. I would say, yeah, okay. possibly. Talk about the importance of travel. We talk about that all the time, and I'm sure viewers and listeners are sick of it. But I know for me, when I first left the country and I came back, just I, I couldn't even describe um, how I felt because it, I learned so much. It changed me. Yes. And I was bit by the travel bug. So talk about the importance of travel and give us some examples. Oh, you know, I, well, I was very lucky, as I told you, my father, even in communism, communist Poland, worked on a, on a ships and I could go with him um, during my holidays, school holidays, and we would travel to most exotic places like Morocco and, you know, and Norway to Norwegian fjords or Jeez. something quite exquisite. And those so, are really both extreme. Yes. From Morocco to Norway. Okay, yes. go ahead. And so as a child already, I was exposed to, to other cultures and, and how people lived. However, I, I really do believe that um, it's important, well, the importance of travel. You just need to know what this world is made of. How, how sad would it be to live where you are and never, ever have a view of what's out there? But a lot of people are comfortable in that, in that cocoon. Well, you know, I had this really famous movie director friend, Chris um, Krause, and he, I remember once he said to me, you can, you can live your life, and I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry, he was Polish, so I don't know if this translation will work. You're going to get it done. But the, but the saying goes that you can either walk around your property round and round, which means that you're going to get lower and lower because your, your, your pathway is going to get deeper and deeper, mm -hmm. or you can leave the gates of your home and go out there and stay on the surface. I wow. don't know if it works very well. No, but it this does is pretty work. Much, does it? It does work. Okay. I was trying to. Because you get <laughs> stuck in this pattern, this yeah. circle, it gets deeper and deeper. You get more yeah. and more ingrained in this you routine. Get, yeah. You get stuck in a rut, right? Or you could stay up top and see everything. Yes, exactly. So your visual is far better if you leave the gates of your home. I think yeah. it's really important. It's educational. It, it opens your mind. It mm -hmm. just allows you to know what's out there. The fact that you got to travel at such a young age, you are a, 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 a small percent of people that have been able to do that. Yeah. Um, and I have some friends who've taken their children, five, six, seven, eight years old, uh, traveling internationally. And at first I'm like, is that? And then I was like, wow, that's brilliant. You, you, why not? Yeah. 
you know. I think travel really educates people. And exposing know? and exposing to other cultures. I always use this example, but you know, I was in the Middle East. This was in like 2009, I think. And um, I was I saw real poverty. Not poverty like we know it. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Uh, so, and obviously, we have poverty here, mental illness and homeless people. But the poverty there was, I, I'll never forget it. So yeah. that is the big takeaway for me is to be able to, to have a scope and a scale as to how lucky we really are as Americans. Right. Um, and how we inherently take a lot of it for granted. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You, you, the truth to be told, you know, in all my travels, and I've been to some really exciting countries. I do believe that America is the one. What's your favorite place to travel to? Um, I love Paris, of course. Uh -huh. um, but I do love United States. Jacques and I, my husband and I, have driven through United States twice from coast to coast. I bet you have. Yes. What's your favorite place in the U.S.? Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska. Wow. Random. <laughs> No, that is so random. You know, I was expecting like you know maybe Monterey well, or no. you know uh, Jackson Hole, but go ahead. Well, you know Montana is beautiful yeah. and all those places, but I remember arriving in um, Omaha, and um, it's very much like a Gotham city. You know the downtown with cobbled streets and tall buildings because they used to deal in steel. I think there was a steel industry. Mm -hmm. I just felt it it had such an energy it had really a cool vibe to it i'm a little bummed out i did some road tripping this past summer and i drove through omaha nebraska twice and, and i did i didn't stop oh no i know i never i didn't know that nobody's ever told me this i tell you downtown <laughs> omaha is amazing all right so there you go put it on your yeah. list and at the end of this conversation i'm going to ask you to kind of give people some direction as to you know ways that they can improve their lives so there's one um all right i'm going to take the conversation to a left turn a little bit but um you looks like you had prepared some notes if you did or didn't is there anything that you would like to speak about specifically well um you know, I, I, during this con the notes were pretty much about the, the points which we've discussed. But mm -hmm. um, what I would like to say, if I may, please, um, this is I what really, I really want. <laughs> <laughs> I really believe that we are at the point in time in this country where people, and I know that it sounds like a bumper sticker, but I really do believe that let the bygones be bygones. Let let's let's just look forward let's just go forward let's not um be really upset of what happened it happened it's gone you can't recover it you can't change it yeah. the only way is way forward and it will be really wonderful if if everybody who who lives here just kind of could could concentrate on that instead of doing the scrutinizing and picking and unpicking and and point pointing fingers i think it's done let bygones be bygones. Give us some specific exercises or ways that we could do that. I know I'll give you my first example, right? Uh, which is to stay off of Facebook a little, like try not yes. to focus on social media so much. Right. What are some other things that people could do to be able to make it easy to just let bygones be bygones? Drop out of all these groups. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a group which supports this party and the group which supports that party and just let go. Yeah. We've got people in charge who will resolve it. Mm -hmm. They there, let them do their job. They are, you know, they are employed by the government. They mm -hmm. are government officials and they will do a good job. We have to have faith mm -hmm. and we have to, us as individuals, we should take care of each other, mm -hmm. take care of our lives, concentrate on every day and just uh, be good to one another.
I like that a lot. Um, and it's true. Just start to, I mean, I'm already seeing a change on Facebook and social media platforms, but it's true. Start to divest yourself from all yes. of the things that had us so, and even me, that had us so involved. All right, I'm going to take now a right turn. You ready? Sure. So I, I love this question. I asked my friend Ashley this question, and she had such a beautiful answer. As far as COVID, right, and this weird time that we're in, yeah. um, and a lot of time for self-reflection, what's the biggest takeaway for you from all of this time that's the, and all of this pandemic nonsense? Do you have a takeaway? Oh, yeah, I do, because I actually spoke about it yesterday to a friend of mine. Um, I think what we should learn from it is that we ought to appreciate our freedoms when they're there mm -hmm. you know just not being able to see your loved ones or hug them or say to somebody hey let's have a drink let's go and have a cocktail together or a coffee um, something which is such an easy thing when when everything is open now not having you know ability to do that just kind of taught me to be closer to people mm -hmm. um, so i can't wait to start hugging everybody and and having coffee and going to drinks parties and yeah. have dinners with friends i'd love to do that do you think things will get back to normal and if so when definitely and, 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 and will it be normal well you know i think things have changed forever for example working from home i don't think that many companies will go back to having big buildings where they will employ people they've learned that actually Physically, people don't have to sit together to work together. Yeah. Um, so those things will change. Um, but I do believe that people, again, in our nature, we are group animals. We love each other. We want to be with people. And I think that we will get back to normal, of having normal interactions. Mm -hmm. I do. Good. And it will happen next year. I really do. I don't think it will continue for much longer. As you can see, even numbers, I know that we are now spiking everywhere mm -hmm. however the deaths are, are getting less and less mm -hmm. so that's important i think to look at as well and with the vaccines and everything i do believe that it will be managed mm -hmm. i really do i hope yeah there's a lot of naysayers and people who um i don't know now i mean i think everybody's opinion has changed but a lot of people who don't think COVID is real and you were talking about um your niece's um father-in-law father-in-law who died yes yeah yeah, very like I said, real. very much real. It's it's definitely, you know, I mean, I, I broke my finger a few weeks ago and I was in a hospital and um, a few months ago, actually, it was. Yeah. Um, and I've spoken to hospital staff and and it's real. I was mm -hmm. at Eisenhower here and uh, they were they all said that, you know, for those naysayers, they just need to come and hang out a little bit at the emergency room. Yeah. to to experience it so we and have probably to take it home yeah, yeah. so um it's real it's we need to be very respectful of of each other's space and yeah. what we do be cautious um believe it or not we are six feet apart the magic of uh, camera work by the way that's important mm -hmm. yeah so yeah i think we will be okay Good. I'm Good. very hopeful. And again, I think that these dialogues are so important. The answers to these questions are so important. When you are stuck on watching the news all of the time or you're hearing all of these different perspectives or aspects, it just gets really mind-numbing. Yes. Um, all right. I'm glad you answered that. So I want to talk a bit about what you do for work. And I, that's, I think what you do is fascinating, mm -hmm. right? It's all about the future. And I think yes. that a lot of people don't um, quite understand that. But before we get there... This is a random question, and it's going back to race a little bit, okay? Right. Have you, as now you called yourself a foreigner, I hate that word, 
have you experienced racism or prejudice since you've been here in the United States? Um, obviously not racism, because as you know, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult for me to complain of, anybody, wow. of anything. Um, the prejudice about being coming from, from a foreign country, a little bit. Okay. Um, people kind of feel they not always trust you because they feel that you are foreign and uh, so yeah there's a little bit of a disadvantage of okay. coming from a different land but generally speaking okay. I love being here yeah I yeah. really do and it's worth all of that and we all have our own uh, issues that we have to deal with in our own skin and dealing with people in general absolutely I was just curious I interviewed a friend of mine a German American a few weeks ago and um, she moved here in the 60s and she talked about how she experienced some prejudice but a lot of the conversations she was getting were from local Americans who were praising Hitler that was like isn't that weird yeah, I know, I know. I didn't know it existed, actually. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> well, you, you, yeah. And we talked about it for a few minutes, and it was something that, that I was more concerned, or, or, or my biggest question for her was, being a German-American, were you treated differently? And she said no, except for people wanting to come talk about it. It was really interesting. Listen to it. Gudrun Farkas. Okay. All right, let's move on to Baltic Sands. Let's move on to what you do. Yes. Um, this, I don't think I planned on talking about this too much but the importance of what you do and the idea behind it tell us what you do and really spell it out well um we build off-grid houses in a desert in joshua tree which is the coolest place on the planet right really now everybody is. wants to be there so um we concentrate on houses which are completely independent they have uh, wells and and solar powered um, there's no grid at all so in our, with our houses, you'd never ever have any bills to pay. Mm -hmm. um, also, they are, you know, built in a very conscious um, way, so they are light on environment. Mm -hmm. um, we feel that this would possibly be the, the future. Um, I don't believe that the grid will support us all um, for mm -hmm. very much longer. And I think that we need to look to solar power and to wind mm -hmm. power and to all those things which which can be tapped into mm -hmm. and don't necessarily need us to destroy an environment yeah, yeah yeah all right and i'm glad you touched on that i think that you know again this this gets political yes. right this topic moves into politics so quickly and it really shouldn't because you need to move with the times you need to move this what you're doing is the future and right. I, I love it yeah I, I just I hope that um, I see it bleeding out and people are really starting to understand what it is to live off grid. But I want it to hit. I want I want to live off grid. I want everybody to live off grid. Yes. Well, you know, looking at Tesla, for example, at first it was a freaky idea talking about Tesla motor vehicles. But now people are used to it. It mm -hmm. becomes a status symbol and um, people really kind of took to it. And mm -hmm. I believe that the same thing will happen with with the way we live, you yeah. know. Um, we just need to be far more conscious. It's, it's a lot of us here on this small little planet mm -hmm. and we need to be really respectful of it. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the people understand this idea as far as being respectful to the planet and being conscious? I really hope. I think that younger generation does, yeah. for sure. I think that people my age and older, they kind of quite stuck at, oh, wow, we lived, you know, 30, 40 years ago. We didn't really care about it. and. But, well, that's where the damage was done. Mm -hmm. We need to now try and address it. And backstep a little bit. Yes, absolutely. So I think it's, it's important. I, I do believe that the younger generation is quite aware of it. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. I was just curious. And again, my goal here is to cover as much as we possibly can. So if I jump all over, sure. that's what I do. Jump. I'm going to jump again. Something totally random and yeah. something totally different. So you you are a healthy woman. You seem to be sound and patient and present. I'd like to, I always like guests to kind of share some of the things that they do to keep themselves happy, especially now during COVID. So tell us a bit about your routine and things that uh, reading materials or yoga. What are some things that you do to keep yourself grounded? I love walking. I walk no matter where I am. I wake up in the morning and the first thing before I even have my morning tea, I, I would go for a walk wow. and I just go f walking for an hour. And that's, that's my time. I do it alone. I love looking and thinking and that's where, where I kind of center myself. Mm -hmm. um, I interact a lot, you know, obviously with work, we, we're quite busy. So there's a lot of interaction and I think part of it is, uh, you know, I enjoy it so much because it keeps me connected. Mm -hmm. And because we're doing something which is exciting in the future, I think that that's, that keeps me really positive mm -hmm. um, because I feel we can affect, we can make a small difference, even yeah. tiniest of differences. There's passion tied into what you're doing. Exactly. A lot of it. Absolutely. And I think that for everyone, I mean, if you, if you find something you really enjoy and you feel that whatever you're doing can make a difference, mm -hmm. I think it really does help us to get through the day and to feel really positive. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I always ask people that. Um, that's a tough one, right? I'm doing it now and I'm so grateful that I was able to really fall into my passion and now it doesn't feel like work. But for a lot of people, that's that's not the reality, right? Yeah. Um, so it's important. Find something that you love to do, do it and walk in the morning. That's yeah. what helps keeps you grounded. For sure. Okay. Absolutely. All right. All right. Um, I want to take you back to Poland a little bit, and I just a couple of questions for you. Do you still go back to visit Poland? Yes. And 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 obviously it's changed. Tell me a bit about the positives with with this, or, or are there? Oh, um, well, you, as you know, as the whole entire world right now is in a real state of upside down, and we have a mm. very conservative nationalistic government in Poland right now. Um, so that's not a very positive thing because they're kind of trying to push Poland back to Middle Ages and there's a lot of resistance from a younger generation. Mm -hmm. um, so, so it's restless. It's just like here, mm -hmm. you know, when people are trying to, to keep the positive change rather than to go back in time and, and become tribal. Mm -hmm. um, so Poland is going through quite a upside down town right now, time right now. But um, as a country, it's like I said, it's part of the Western world now mm -hmm. and it's, it's people's lifestyles are really nice. Um, Would you ever move back? You know, my mom lives there. No, I really, no, I, this is home now. Mm -hmm. You know, I love it here. This is where I want to be. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't mind traveling there. It's really wonderful. Poland is, I would encourage everyone to, to visit Poland. It's mm -hmm. a great country to see. For sure. I've never been to Poland. I might have to put that on my travel list. You should. When all of this uh, nonsense lifts. Yes. A lot of history. And, you know, very important thing is that uh, I've taken my friends twice to Auschwitz, which is placed in Poland. Mm -hmm. I mean, Germans built it, but it's it's uh, the Auschwitz camp and and talking about racism and, and prejudices. I mean, this is like the, you know, example of evil, what mm -hmm. humans are capable of doing to other humans. Yeah. Um, and I think that's so important for anybody to see that um, we never ever to go there. Mm -hmm. 
I was in um, Munich for Oktoberfest uh, mm -hmm. some time ago, and I think it was, is it Dachau that's close to? Dachau, yeah. Dachau. Yeah. A group went, right? And I couldn't do it. Yeah. I couldn't do it. And I did, I'm still, I live in, I'm, I regret that I did not go, but I think that something scared me. Mm. I had been to the um, Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., and yeah. that just fra fractured me, right? It, yeah. it really, I had to, I, the big takeaway from that. But um, I was scared to go to the concentration camp. I didn't yeah. do it. It's, it's, it's really and Just talking about it is like making my heart heavy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's horrible. I remember f when I took my husband there for the first time in the 90s and we walked through and he was just sobbing all the way. You know, it's just awful. It's awful. It's, it's quite, you know, on one hand, one can be really positive and hope that humans evolve to something better all the time. But when you go to a place like that, it just shows you how low humans can get and how horrible and, yeah, vicious things can become. And I hope it will never happen in a history. But it's something, it's, it's a lesson which we ought to We're supposed to learn from learn. it. Yeah. What was the energy like? Was everybody sobbing? Is that just part? I couldn't imagine working there. I mean, that just must be just just an awful energy. Yeah, it's it's a very sad place. You know, when you enter, you read on energy, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. It's just really heavy. It's it's horrible. People are sad. It's 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 a bad place to be. Yeah, I wouldn't want to work there yeah. personally. But, you know, the historians who are there, they do an important job. They just, you know, educating people. Um, so. Anyway, I would highly recommend it. I know that it's not a very pleasant thing to experience, but I think everybody should kind of take it off the list yeah. of things to do. Yeah, and as we said, change is uncomfortable, but this is the stuff that we need to see. Yeah. You know, um, I have a lot of dialogue with a lot of my friends, a lot of my peers, and um, some of them, there's a lot of fear wrapped around trying to learn something new. It's yeah. like, I, I just don't want to do it. I just Let me just keep it away from me. And it's you have to be get uncomfortable to learn. Yeah. You know? What are your thoughts on words like vulnerability and things like that? There's so much change happening now with uh, self-reflection and trying to be a better person. Is this something that you've always, that's resonated with you or do you do work on yourself? You know, um, my niece, um, her, her really good friend who lives in a desert, um, she is a, she's an English professor and she always would say to my niece, that it's such a crucial thing to be able to self-soothe. Mm -hmm. And it kind of like, when, when she said that, I kind of felt um, this is such an important word. It's such an important statement. I believe that at the end of the day, we have to be whole. We have to, you have a response. We all have a responsibility to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's important that we self-soothe. Mm -hmm. I do believe that we should soul search and we should try and be the best for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And when we're really good and whole, we definitely can do so much better yeah. with, with a society, within a society. You know, I've always understand that idea, but for me, it was always, what are the steps? And I was always scared. I didn't know how to self-soothe and be a better person, you know? Um, and as always, viewers know that this is a big part of what we do in these conversations is to try to give people, again, messages of hope. How can you get through your day, your life a little bit easier, especially through these weird times? Yes. You know? Um, all right. Another, are you ready for another turn? Sure. Okay. So this is random because I usually ask kind of my more conservative male friends this, but what are your thoughts on gun control? Well, or guns in general. I'm a pacifist. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, guns are really, really scary. Mm -hmm. I, I've never owned a gun. 
I don't intend to buy one. Um, I so so for me to answer this question is really difficult because mm -hmm. I know that the guns are such part of American culture. Mm -hmm. You know, for everyone to have a gun, it's just not a big deal. For me, guns, you know, they're such a powerful weapon. You know, you just pull the trigger, you can be completely disassociated. I mean, look what's happening all over right now. It isn't now. like this in South Africa? You can't go buy a gun and just... No, you have to... Well, there's a lot of illegal uh, guns. You know, we've got a very high crime rate right now in South Africa. Mm -hmm. So so, so your life is in danger because of the guns. You know, I think that as a, as a human being, even if you are a criminal, a hardened criminal, to walk up to somebody and to hit them with something or, or stab them, you, you, you get quite close to a person. You have to feel their breath. You have to be close to feel them physically. Yeah. If you have a gun, you can be standing far away. You don't need to really relate to this person. And I just feel that guns are such a, for me personally, again, I don't want to offend anybody, mm -hmm. um, but I just feel that I don't know how much guns should be used around a normal environment where mm -hmm. we, we're not in any, you know, under any threat. There isn't any wars. Um, there are no wild animals attacking us. You know, in Africa, people use them on safaris. When, right. You know, go, go into the bush with lions. You know, you need a gun in case. It's just the way you're putting it makes me laugh because, and pardon me, I don't want to offend anybody either, yes. but I think that there is this mentality, especially people that are that own guns, that someone's coming to get them. Right. And like, call 911. They will be here in two minutes. Right, right. Much better than having, shooting at somebody, Even, right? Right, a shootout in your own house. Yeah. I talked to a buddy of mine. We had, this is another podcast guest and he said oh no i don't have a gun for crazy people i have a gun for the government when the government if the government comes and i was like do what, what? <laughs> but 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 i think that that in his own way he was able to rationalize it that it's he doesn't have fear of other people being kooky it's he's scared that something's gonna go down martial law or something's gonna be crazy and that the government's gonna come tell you what to do listen you come from a communistic country so i right. think that that would resonate with you well, no, we never, you know, in communist country, we were never allowed to to own any firearms mm -hmm, at all. Mm -hmm. um, and But uh, somebody could come to your door and tell you what the new rule is. Right. Right. But you had to take it. You yeah. couldn't really oppose because if you would stand up to the government, you would be just taken away and never see your family again. Uh -huh. See, we don't have that. That's not the right. case here in America. That would be a very interesting... Um, yeah. <laughs> well, you have you pr practically have no human rights. You know, when, when you mm -hmm. live in a, in a very strict communist system, you... You're just the number. Give me some, there's got to be a couple of positives in living in a communistic system. I know that sounds random, but yes. there's got to be something, what are some positives? Is it is it na national pride? What is it? Well, we were really, well, the one thing which communist system has done, they've decided that because we don't have much of anything, we will educate our society. Mm -hmm. So the school system was good. Okay. We were encouraged. I played piano for six years. You oh, know, wow. I went to, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we had uh, foreign. We had. We've learned foreign languages. We we were really good at geography and math and all those kinds of things. Funny the things that a lot of us Americans are not. At least I mean, I can't speak for myself. But this is great. Go on. <laughs> yeah. So those were the positives. Also, children. You know, when it was very safe, we didn't have. You know, people were. We didn't have crazy people running with guns. You know. Yeah. If uh, there were, the system was very structured. So if somebody wasn't, for example, mentally fit or they were considered to be unwell mm -hmm. they would be taken there would be an institution a mental institution mm -hmm. so you wouldn't have this type of homelessness we have here where most 
people in the streets are actually uh, they 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 are mentally yeah. disabled. Yeah. So. But I'm going to take you a step back. You said sure. that everybody you felt safe. Yes. More importantly, but that's 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 huge. Yes, we so you know we had this big system taking care of us. We. We, I mean, again, I'm talking about my buddy who has a gun because he's worried about the government coming. That's not feeling safe. No. You're giving us real examples of how. Okay, so go on. Yeah. So so living in a communism, there's one thing that there were no break-ins. There, there was nobody really attacking anybody. Um, you know, there would be a freak uh, kind of, uh, you know, num there could be a, 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 some kind of an incident where mm -hmm. somebody would harm somebody. Right. But that would be shoot. very, yeah. Or some random yeah. situation. Yeah. Right. But Poland was never diverse. No. Right. No. And if a brown person walked through, the place would freeze, right? Well, we had students from Cuba, ah. as you can imagine. Okay, see, this is where it gets interesting. Right. I could never imagine that. Yes. They were loved, embraced, and never made... Well, it was, it was exotic uh -huh. to see people of color. Mm -hmm. um, they were celebrated and... Uh, I mean, I think that we think that communism leads to just darkness and sadness and dread, but this is the beauty of Poland and Polish people. Yeah. Go on. So, so yeah, so we did have some students mm -hmm. and uh, it was great. Um, people were very, you know, they, they were very respectful and everybody loved everyone. And mm -hmm. I think that generally the Cuban students or doctors had good time in Poland. Yeah, yeah. Lots of vodka and parties. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they brought some cigars. Yes. But I'm glad I asked that because yeah. again, it's, we hear certain uh, keywords and they paint certain pictures for us. And I no. want to hear about the ups and downs, the good, the bad of A, your, your life and B, kind of where you're from. And I don't know anything about Poland. Yeah. Well, especially old Poland. Yes. Yeah. So what about new Poland? It's diverse now? Is it it's, more it's, Cuban? It's more, more diverse. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like I said, it's part of Western world. So what mm -hmm. you see in Germany or France, it's pretty much what you see in Poland now. Gotcha. Are they cool yeah. with gay people? Uh, well, the government isn't. Mm -hmm. The society, generally speaking, yes. Good, good. Um, it's a very religious country though. Mm -hmm. And you know, with the religion, especially Catholic religion. Um, but um, I think that the generation, even my generation and people, you know, younger than me, mm -hmm. absolutely cool. All right. We're almost out of time, so I want to... You've already done this, so I shouldn't even ask you because you this was kind of the string of the conversation. But let's give some friends at home uh, maybe a message of hope or some some plans of action that they can take or implement that will be able to just make their day, their lives better, right? Yeah. Well, I would say... I would say that everybody who listens and is based in the United States, they should really and truly be grateful. I think that you live in the most exquisite country with the best opportunities and whatever the little pebbles in our shoes are right now, yeah. um, they will get worked out. I have absolute, absolutely no doubt. It's a great country. It stood up to so much yeah. before. And this is just one of those phases. We're going to talk about it six years down the line, looking back and say, do you remember? Mm -hmm. And we're going to look back at this time that it was an unnecessary time, uncomfortable time, mm -hmm. but it will be great. With COVID, I think what it will do, it will just bring us closer. I think that once the disease is gone and, and the restrictions are lifted, I think people will really love each other more. I sure hope so. I hope so too, but we, I, we, I believe it. We both have a lot of love to give. So. Yes. 
um grateful gratitude this is going to be like a random question but is that just a thought is it take sitting there with yourself and saying okay i'm grateful or what is it is it doing a little research what is that what is that step what is that action that's a weird question isn't it um grateful yeah but what is that is it just sitting here and saying okay you know what i am grateful for where i live is it just the thought the emotion the emotion mm -hmm. it's it comes from my being i really am i actually written to somebody a few days ago how lucky we are and how grateful we are first of all we are healthy mm -hmm. that's the most important thing and i know that many people in this country are not right now and yeah. and they've lost loved ones and that's a very sad time mm -hmm. um for me personally i am just really blessed to be healthy to be in the most exquisite place mm -hmm. and to be surrounded by really good people yeah that is the hashtag attitude for gratitude. That's something I learned and um, I practice it. It's actually every day I read adages in the mirror and one of them is, uh, or affirmations rather, and one of them is um, stay grateful, be grateful. Yeah. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for you. Thank you for thank being you. here. I I'm can't so grateful you for you. This was great. This is exactly what I wanted. Thank you. Yeah. And again, always with the message of hope and positivity. So take this useful information and run with it. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, please always uh, make sure to like us on all social media platforms. We love you. Love on each other. That's a wrap. We will see you soon. Thank you. <laughs>